G'day folks, welcome back to the Career Love Podcast, it's episode 3. Thanks for joining me. I hope you are having a ball, whatever you are up to. We are going to jump back into my interview with Alan Coleman in just a moment. For anyone who has tuned into earlier episodes and heard me explain what Career Love is and how to use the different elements in combination to get the best out of your career, and you don't want to hear me tell it all again, you can just skip on ahead to about three and a half minutes to hear part three of my conversation with Alan. Career Love's mission is to help more and more people love what they do, and this podcast is one part of our framework for doing that. I'm just going to take a minute or so to explain the other parts of the framework so you can get the best out of your career love experience. Okay, so we produce three things here at Career Love, and they are research, scorecard, and shows. We undertake research so that we can bring you evidence-based insights. We want to find out what really works and bring you good quality information. We package up the insights from our research into research papers, so if you want the good info on how to become someone who loves what they do, check out our research yearbook, and you can get that from the website, careerlove.org, right now for free. One thing we do with our research is try and benchmark career fulfillment, which means we apply a scoring methodology to our assessment that goes out to our research subjects, and that allows us to create some helpful tools for you guys. We put all the tools in our scorecard section. You can go on to our website and take the personal assessment to see how you are scoring in each of the five focus areas for career fulfillment. You can compare your results to other people like you, people with the same age, gender, location, and industry profile. And this is going to help you to highlight the areas to put your attention to, and most importantly, which ones to focus on right now to start getting better results. Under the scorecard section for helpful tools, we also have the playbook, which gives you some recommended actions in each of those five focus areas. So you can really make a running start at getting your career on track towards meaningful and enjoyable work. And lastly, we produce shows. This podcast is the first of our shows, and we're currently developing a video show that we'll release later this year. The idea behind shows is that while data and insights from research is one thing, and personalized recommendations for you are also good, uh, to really get a deeper understanding of how to apply these concepts in your own career, it helps to hear how other people are doing it. We all learn best through stories, and so our shows are intended to bring you inspiring and insightful career stories so that you can start to synthesize the dynamics at play. We want to help you understand how people who love what they do approach and organize their working lives, what they prioritize, what they avoid, so that we can start to get a bit of confidence about making some changes in how we approach and organize our own careers. My hope is that people might hear something from one of our guests and go, oh yeah, I could probably give something like that a go. And I think you're going to find some of that here in this episode as we jump into part three of my conversation with Alan Coleman. In our last episode, we heard Alan talking about the importance of picking a career direction based in something that excites you, setting a well-thought-out plan, 
and then constantly reviewing that plan and adapting it when things change. In this episode, we're going to hear how Alan navigates the early stages of getting his business off the ground despite some pretty harrowing setbacks. Imagine the fear of being sued by the leader of the country. Alan shares his method for staying on plan despite this and other challenges that seemed like the whole world was against him. I also want you to listen out for Alan talking about that moment when he begins to realize that he's exactly where he's supposed to be, leveraging all his unique strengths and skills from both his professional and personal life, some of which were completely unintentional, like being addicted to football manager. Okay, so here we are. Let's go. Part three, my interview with Alan Coleman. To start a company, is there just two things, well, three things I'm building here, and they always need to be improving. So n- number one is my skills. I want to be in 12 months, like three in Ireland, at Google AdWords. So I need to be building my skills all the time. Number two is revenues. Like at that time, I had no money. I was going to be delivering pizzas at night to do this during the day, and my girlfriend was going to be paying more, it was supporting me financially. So I needed to be building revenues all the time. Even if I wasn't paying myself, I needed to be building revenues in the company. And then number three was a profile. Was I needed, it's not just good enough to be the best, you know, top three in Ireland, you, you need to be known. So there were the three things, and I, I literally had my spreadsheet, and I knew financially what I needed to be doing. I had all sorts of benchmarks with finances as well. Um, Did you have sight of who was top one, two, and three in Ireland? Yeah, already? yeah, I did. Yeah. And how, what does that look like? How do you measure that? Um, did a bit of googling. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there was thirteen people who were qualified in Ireland outside of Google, and I just researched them, and um, they were my benchmark companies, um, and I watched what they did, and I said, "Geez, if I could be as good as Ring John, God, that'd be amazing." Um, so what does good look like? Is it revenue based, or is it like? Well, these, customer value created and how these look like the biggest the biggest, biggest ones okay. and they look like they were you know doing the best job talking about it right yeah okay and so you're on a mission to crack into the top three top three yeah as an individual even it was just i want to be known as one of the top three people in this field hmm. yeah okay so so then um and this is the thing it was just a sequence of yeah, kicks in the nuts from then on. So I had all my things I needed to do, like you need to get a business card, and then you need to get, no, you need to get a logo, and then you get a business card, and then you get a website, <clears throat> and then maybe try and get a grant, and then like, oh, Ireland's the fastest growing economy in the world, you know, 2007, still just about, uh, you know, I need to get into that. So like things weren't going well for me. So first off, there was the business, in trying to get a business card, I managed to get myself nearly sued by the Taoiseach of the country. Um, so I went to a printer to get a business card done and your man was a bit odd and uh, he's there, oh, I'll do you some artwork and very quickly into the conversation I said, like, this guy's a bit of a weirdo and I don't think I'm going to do business with him um, and like two days later he sends me a Microsoft Word doc you know, with my name and phone number on it and something that looks like a logo and he says, there's the artwork and I said, like, I'll leave that with me, I'll come back to you um, but like you know, three months later, I got a phone call off him saying, oh, I just need to invoice you for the artwork. Uh, I don't like leaving creative outstanding. And I said, like, what do you mean artwork? And he said, like, I designed your business card. And I kind of sniggered. I said, like, you've you got to be kidding me. Like, that's, you want me to pay you for the Word document with my name and number on it? And he said, like, yeah. And he sent me an invoice for like, you know, 150 euro or something. So I was there, like, fuck this. This doesn't seem right. So I went on to the golden pages and reviewed them. And I just told the truth. You know, I was just there, went for a quote, got an invoice, beware. 
Um, and uh, he fucking flipped. And I got, a, I got a legal letter from Brian Cowan, who was the Taoiseach of Ireland uh, at the time. He, believe this or not, you can be the Taoiseach of Ireland and still be like the partner of a law firm. So he's a law firm in, where is he from, Offaly or somewhere? Yeah, so I got a letter from Brian Cowan's law firm, the Taoiseach of the country, like threatening me, saying, you need to write a letter of apology, which is first of all admitting it was me, because he was saying, he was saying this is slander, which means it's untrue, but I left it anonymously. So if it's untrue, how does he know I put that up there? Unless it was true. So he wanted me to write a letter of apology outlining, get it removed, write a letter of apology, and tell him how much money I'm going to pay for damaging his good name. And so this sent me into a panic. I'm just very naive. I'm young. I'm trying to get into business. I have the Taoiseach of the country threatening me like this. So I was in spin. So this is a fucking nightmare. This is hard. Um, so next up was my website. So I had one friend in the industry. I was a total industry outsider. And he helped me. He did my logo for me for free. And it was a great logo. Um, and then he said, I'll help you with the website. And um, then, because I was naive, the first go of the website they gave me was so far away from what I wanted, I, I freaked. And um, I was there like, this is just, I, like, literally there was arrows, icons falling. And I was there like raining. I was there like, we're all about things going up, you know, and the colors are wrong. And I, was, I freaked out because I was just naive. And I, got in a bit, I fell out with him. And um, so I'd lost my only friend. And again, I'm under a lot of stress now because the Taoiseach's after me. My only friend in the industry doesn't like me anymore. Like, this isn't going well. So I found another company to, to help me with the website. And um, the day it was launched, um, I was really proud. I, I, I took it into this group, this enterprise group I was in, and I showed all of them, this is my new website. And um, that night, I got an email from a guy called Rand Fishkin. Anybody familiar with Rand Fishkin? So digital marketing people here. So he's probably the, the godfather of SEO, which is a type a thing of what I do and even back then he was very famous and I had an email from him saying your logo is a rip off of the next web expect legal proceedings and I'm like not again <laughs> what the fuck and then I just I just kind of meditated on that for a bit I was like why would Rand Fishkin be bothered sending that to me so I, I sought him out and found another, contacted him another way and said did you send me an email and he's there now ignored it spam um, but another, I said, this is the, everything, like everything I'm doing, I'm, like, I'm making a mess over, I'm met with resistance. Next up was, I wanted a grant. I said, once I've gotten the business card and the logo and the website, I feel ready to try and get a grant. Um, so I, I got onto this enterprise platform and you get 600 quid a month if you're on it. On day one, we're all sitting in a room like this and uh, you know, it's been a great day, we've learned loads, and we've all kind of networked with each other. And I said, do you need like our bank account details or something for the grant, like for the 600 quid a month? And they're like, oh no, did you not, no, 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 that isn't available this year. I said, oh Jesus, like that was, I was, you know, working full time on the business, not taking any money out, delivering pizzas at night. So that 600 quid was really important to me, like that was my rent. Um, and I was, this is bad to worse like but the thing is in in all these moments and that wasn't the end of it then the fucking economy falls off a cliff <laughs> then there's a global financial crisis and the, the you know the lads come to ireland to bail us out and i was like oh man like this is just kicking the nuts after kicking the nuts but the thing is the things i'd set out to do at the beginning to always be getting better like i was demonstratively doing that i'd started working for people for free third person i tripled his business in a matter of weeks and then i was there i'm good enough to start charging and i was charging people i would you believe my first ever client uh overseas property company it was 2007 
never paid me. They still owe me a grand and a half. So just throw that in the mix. It's just like, there's so many moments where I say, like the gods are telling me, give it up. But I was so into it that I kept going. Hi gang, just a quick break here to talk about the five dimensions of career fulfillment and where they came from. So, in our first ever research study, which was at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID turned everything upside down, we uncovered these five dimensions of career fulfillment. These are the things that the people who scored highest for career fulfillment focus on when it comes to developing their careers. And so, let me tell you what they are. Fun. Pretty self-explanatory. Work should be fun. And even if you don't have what you might describe as a fun job, you can still do things every day to cultivate a sense of fun in your work. The second one is adaptive. Adaptive careers are flexible. They adapt when you need them to. This means having more control over when, where, and how you work so that when your personal priorities change, you don't feel trapped in a situation that no longer works for you because of your job. Thirdly, transformative. As we say here at Career Love, no one starts their career in their prime. To develop the skills, attributes, and qualities that are needed to fully reach our potential, that requires personal transformation. Using your career as a platform to test and challenge yourself to build resilience and develop finely tuned skills is what transformative careers are all about. Social is all about harnessing the power of social connections at work. We all know about the happiness studies that tell us belonging to a community and having close friendships and family connections that help us feel supported and valued are vital. And this is most certainly true for happiness at work too. And finally, meaningful. Knowing that your work has some value, that it matters, that it has a positive impact on people's lives in a way that makes you feel good. Meaningful is also about finding a connection between the work that you do and your unique set of strengths and capabilities. I like to describe meaningful careers as a truly great fit. If you've ever had an outfit that felt super comfortable, while also making you look your best, you know, drawing attention away from those non-flattering bits and highlighting all your best parts, you know what I'm on about. So, if you want to see how you're scoring in each of these five areas, to find out which one to start working on first, jump on over to the careerlove.org website and take the assessment. And if you find the scorecard helpful and fancy getting some tailored recommendations on what to do next, you can request your free playbook and we will email it to you. Okay, back to the interview. And this is the key thing, right, is, and I come back to it, is I... The reason I failed accountancy all the time in college was when I was supposed to be studying, I was playing championship manager. Um, so I was always mad for, you know, any data-driven strategy games, fantasy football, championship manager, chess. That's the only thing I did in college is me and my mates would get stoned and play chess like for hours. Um, so I was always, I was building this skill set for data-driven like strategy games before that was a work skill. And then when Google AdWords arrived and I started doing it, I said, 
this is what I've been fucking doing for ages. <laughs> you know, this is that. This is, it's like in championship manager, you know, choosing a player, looking at his attributes, putting him in, and then watching his performance and saying, no, he's out, someone else is in. So I was now choosing words and writing ad texts and linking them up with each other and watching their performance and editing and moving budget, just like in those games. And I was there, holy fucking shit, like this is one of the, 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 the small things. I found another one of these things that I'm good at. Um, so I was just relentless then. I said, I'm, I'm just, I, all the Taoiseachs in the world can send me letters. I'm just going to keep going. Like, and I, I can see myself getting better all the time. So that was number one. Despite all the, all the kicks and the bollocks, I did. Every, every, my revenues just kept going up. I just kept, the clients were happy. They'd spend a bit more money. So even though there was this fear in the world that, like, you know, the pavement was going to open up and swallow Ireland, like, my little business did continue to grow. Um, and the other thing that happened was I started getting a bit of a profile and a bit of a reputation um, as being good at what I did. So although, and that's a really important thing. So maybe this is, hopefully this is something that I've explained in a way that people can, I've explained, okay, that despite all these things that were massive problems and huge sources of stress happening like consecutively, the fact that I knew on my plan, I had these two or three things that always needed to be getting better, and they were always getting better, and I was enjoying it, like, and I was, I was loving those. Yeah, that's really important. So one of the things that we talk about a lot in these sessions um, is goal-setting strategy mm. and the difference between a lead measure and a lag measure, right? Yeah. And so that it is such an important part of your story that when it looks on the surface, like the entire world is collapsing around you and mm. that your plan... To anyone who's not really paying attention, it looks like your plan has completely failed. Right? Mm. But you know and understand that the lead measures that you're interested in, am I getting better at this? Is my revenue stream growing, growing. And, and improving? Um, and is my profile starting to grow? Those are all of the lead indicators that you were very clear were going to lead to success mm -hmm. overall. Mm -hmm. And so everything else that was negative was like a one-off and then maybe another coincidental one-off yeah. and, that's, and true. that's the way that you perceive yeah. them and yeah. that's what kept you moving forward yeah. towards the end of the plan. Yeah, and the amazing thing is like they all came full circle, like ran and, and all those big pains ended up becoming benefits down the line. So Ran Fishkin, because I now had a relationship with him, he ended up speaking at some of our events like via a, a LinkedIn, so our client events. So I had the world's most famous, and a great story as to how I met him, um, you know, linking in, um, things like the economy tanking, um, I learned the power of the sound bite, I was um, a client, Voya, Seaweed Cosmetics, was been featured on the business and RTE TV show, and they asked me to come along and, and speak on the digital bit, fair play to them, like they were very generous to me in that, and um, the production team were kind of resistant. They're like, we don't want to bring another company into the story. It just confuses it. But Voya really insisted. They're like, we don't understand the internet. You're just going to have to ask Alan. Fair play to them. So they asked me, you know, they asked me some, you know, question. And I just said, all right, first thing I need to say to you here is there is no recession online. Recession is an offline phenomenon. And they were like, what the fuck? They're like, okay, turn the camera on. All right, all right. <laughs> Can you say that again, Alan? And I was there, there's no recession online, offline phenomenon. Visa um, say that online transactions are up 37% year on year. 30, that's boom time, you know? And they're like, fuck, this is good. And, uh, and that ended up becoming the soundbite in the ad 
for the program. So when they were saying, you know, George Lee's business program coming soon, there was my mug there. There is no recession <laughs> online. And I got, like everybody I knew, I got death, I got slack. But I had RT, an RTE advertising budget for an RTE program promoting me uh, for like a, a three or four week period. And it was at a time when everyone was watching the news and the news is, oh, the recession, the bailout, blah, blah. And then this little, you know, plucky upstart telling everyone I have the solution here. So that was, and that, so I turned that recession thing into, I, I got to find some way of turning this into, how can I become part of this conversation in a brand coherent manner? Like I'm all about opportunity. There's really good stuff here. Um, Can I ask you something? Yeah. If you gave that positive event a score out of 10, how does it compare to the combined score of all the negative events that happened leading up to it's that? It's been so foundational. So because that, like, and it's just, again, once you get, to, everyone talks about learning from failure, learning from failure, but I think it's about learning from success. I think that failure is, okay, there's some learnings there, but you've got to be able to take your successes and say, how do I multiply this? So when I got that coverage and it went away, the ads went away and, and uh, other people started co-opting it, the, the, the saying, and I said, that's my fucking saying. Um, but I, said, I, need, I, need, I need to be able to maintain this type of media presence. So I realized that every year when the CSO brings out their report on the economy, at the same time, I'm going to bring out a report on the online economy. And I'd literally like wait for them to do it. And then like all the, the journalists who covered the economy, and I was down 6%, you know, we're in a really bad place. I'd be, yeah, online economy's up 54%. Um, and so I started getting a media profile speaking about the online economy. And I started becoming this like evangelist for, for talking online. So I'd be in the Irish Times, I'd be on News Talk. And then I took that and I was like, this is really good for the business community. Be let me do something for the digital marketing community. So I started like putting together studies on digital marketing metrics. And then, like, one of those ended up getting featured in, in The Economist and in, like, Inc. magazine and, and Moz, for those of you familiar. So I found that, yeah, I found that I, I found the niche in being, like, a commenter on the industry. And I, I knew the kind of stuff that the media would go for, and I knew how to pull out a genuine story and present it in a way that would get, you know, national and then international media. So I took that one little win and uh, which came from a shitstorm of the recession and then said, well, how do I continue to, to make this a bigger thing? And it's now like the two studies are, are probably our two biggest marketing moments every year and have been every year for like eight years now. Fascinating. So tell me about the growth of the business itself. So I, I can only assume, right, that that profile that you've built mm -hmm. using actually traditional marketing methods yeah, to promote yeah, your yeah, digital yeah. marketing yeah, business yeah, yeah. Um, is starting to bring clients in the door, right? Yeah. So... But at the beginning, it's just you. Mm -hmm. When does it start to grow into one employee and more? Yeah, so two years in, um, I got into a stage where I don't know if I, I, I couldn't really do all the work. So I did everything at that stage. I'd like cold call the people or I'd spam them. I found cold calling really inefficient. So I just, I said, well, they all have their email addresses in the golden pages. So why don't I just like spam them? So um, I'd take all the solicitors in the golden pages and I'd uh, do some research, so I'd be able to tell them, I'd send them an email, uh, it would say in the headline, Golden Pages is dead, your customers are looking for you on Google. Did you know, like there was 8,700 searches for a solicitor Dublin on Google last month. Um, and I just send one of those every morning, one every evening, and I was getting a client today. Like I still, 11 years later, have been invoicing uh, solicitors every month 
uh, since maybe 2008 based on that spam. Um, now, I got picked up as a spammer, and then all of a sudden my clients were saying, we're not getting your emails anymore, so I had to change my marketing strategy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was doing everything I would do to spam, and then I'd field the inquiry, and then I'd go and meet them, and then I'd write a contract, and then I'd go get, sell it, then I'd do the work, then I'd send a report, then I'd send the invoice, then I'd ring them up and say, oh, the invoice is late, do you mind paying? So I was doing everything. And um, I, so very, I, I got reached a point where I couldn't, couldn't do anymore. So my best, one of my best friends who I was living with, um, was better than me at chess, he's better than me at fantasy football, um, he's better than me at championship manager, and I was like, he's going to be deadly at this. Now, there's nothing about marketing, never mind digital marketing, but I was like, I reckon he could be brilliant at this. Um, and back to that notion, I'd always really enjoyed working with, with friends, um, and he was, at the time, he was working in a bank, and everyone was getting let go around him. Um, so I was just waiting, like every Friday when they did the, the rounds, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> How's your days? They're grand. A load of people got let go, and I said, like, "Fuck hell, shit." <laughs> um, so, and he's like, the way the way Ed is, is he's like uh, steady Eddie. I call him like once he's set on a course, there's no moving him. So he, he has to arrive at decisions himself. Like, but um, once it had happened, and, and he was let go as well, I said, "Look, there's this thing I'm doing. I need someone to help me with. I think you'd be deadly." Um, this is the exam to get qualified. Uh, why don't you just have a look at it? And if you find it interesting. I'll give you some campaigns to have a look at, to play with, and if you find it challenging, then I have a job for you. Um, and yeah, he was, he, was, he was thinking of going to Korea to teach English, and it was a real sliding door situation for mm -hmm. him. And um, he said, I'll give this a go for a while, and now like he's, you know, he's doing it 11 years. He's, he is probably either the, for years he was probably the best at it in Ireland, and now he's probably become the best coach in Ireland. So that team, that AdWords team, is like, like you mentioned, they're world champions. Like we're, we've won best small agency in Europe two years ago, then this year we won best large agency in Europe. We've won the Global Grand Prix three years in the trot, um, and we've won Grand Prix in the UK and stuff. And he would have been the person who trained the team that did that. And he had no background in digital marketing whatsoever. Can only guess right at the number of companies in your field that make the jump from small agency to large agency, let alone the ones that win ch agency champs in yeah. both in both categories. So that speaks to the quality of the work that you do and the team that you've built and the business that you've built. Mm. I, I think, as I hear you talking about it, right, the skills that you leverage to do it, like you're really clear on what your skill set is, right, mm -hmm. and. Marketing yourself and your business is one of those. Okay, so that is the end of part three of my interview with Alan. We're going to get to the final episode of that series next. And here are a few little samples from that interview. So I wrote a blog post on it, um, on yeah, why we, we decided to open an online sex shop. And The Guardian published it as why every digital agency should run their own sex shop. So it was amazing and because no one else would, we kind of, we have this saying now about being bold. Like if there's ever an opportunity to be a bit bold, like if there's a risk, like just take it. And every now and then we will go too far, but we only know that we're taking risks if sometimes we go, oh shit, I went too far. And it's very much become part of our identity to be a bit bold, to like, 
have a go at competitors um, and to do ridiculous things. As our company got bigger, there's like 56 people in there now, so our, our carbon footprint's quite large. I didn't even know what it was, and I started, this isn't, you know, this isn't okay. Uh, I think I need us to know how much damage we're doing, and I need us to be able to offset that through planting trees. So I put it to everybody, are you as interested in forestry as I am? Like, Ireland's got an unfair advantage, the Brits chopped them down, and we can offset uh, carbon, uh, our, our own carbon, we can become carbon negative. And everyone was like, yeah, let's do this. So we've been putting money aside. We're in the process of buying land. Like we went out in April and planted 200 trees. We planted a micro forest. Everyone said it was the best day out we ever had. Went to a pub, drank Guinness. Um, it was brilliant. So what, what we're trying to do now is for ourselves, we want to become carbon negative. And then once we've got the processes in place, um, we're in the process of uh, becoming a charity. So we've set up Wolfgang Forestry as a separate organization. So we can then help any organization that wants to do the same, do it. Um, so I'm really, really excited about that. So it's just a matter I'm making the plan now and figuring out how I give time to that. And so again, I'm delegating more of my digital marketing company stuff to other people and figuring out how I can, I, I can apply time to that. Okay, so here we are, folks, at the end of episode three of the Career Love podcast. I hope you found it enjoyable. We will see you next time with episode four and the final in that series. And then we're going to have something really exciting for you. Um, can't wait to talk to you then, guys. Enjoy. Enjoy.